You're listening to an audiobook presentation of The Grendel's Shadow by Andrew Maine. You can purchase it for 99 cents on Amazon, on their Kindle store, on your Kindle, or on all major phones using the Kindle app, including iPhones, Androids, Blackberries, and Windows 7. It's also available on the Nook store and Apple's iBooks. Or you can buy this entire audio presentation uninterrupted or a physical copy at andrewmaincom slash books. Chapter 28 His best chance was to take advantage of the disorientation of the creature while the engine kept spraying fuel onto the middle of the hall and onto the beast. Westwood pulled himself up to his feet and ran toward the tail of it. He felt something swat against his back and went flying across the wet floor. His shoulder stung. Westwood rolled onto his feet and started firing his rifle from the hip as the creature turned to him. He exhausted a clip and slammed another one as he backed toward the alcove with the ladder. This range, he was blasting holes in the creature's flesh, but it kept moving forward. His skull was too thick. Westwood's back finally touched the ladder. The creature swung its claws at him. Westwood shot two of them off. The beast opened its mouth and threw its head forward. Westwood bolted up the ladder as it tore the section below him into splinters. Sensing where he'd gone, the creature reached an intact claw out at him. Westwood kept climbing. The animal scraped at the wall below him and climbed. It was nearly three stories from the floor to the ceiling of the hall. Westwood kicked out his boot and landed a strike on its nose. It swung a claw into the space where his leg had been and just hit empty ladder as Alan and Carpenter pulled Westwood the top of the bell tower. Go! He yelled at them as the enraged animal stretched up, trying to swat them through the opening of the bell tower. First Alan, then Carpenter, grabbed a small metal handle and flew down the zip line the Noyce brothers had stretched between the top of the civic hall and the bank. The elevated fishing village had given Westwood the inspiration. Now it was his only means of escaping the fury below. Westwood watched, make sure the gunman on the bank caught Alan and Carpenter. He pulled the whiskey bottle filled with napalm from his bag. A loud crash below him almost sent him flying off the roof as the creature began leaping at the ceiling, taking swipes. Tiles began to slide off and the bell tower was beginning to come loose as the roof deteriorated under the assault. Westwood pulled out his lighter and set the wick on fire, careful not to ignite himself. He looked down through the opening and could feel the breath of the beast as it tried to push its mangled face into the opening. Westwood bashed its nose with the butt of his rifle. The creature fell back for a moment, opening up a gap between its face and the side of the bell tower entrance. Westwood dropped the bottle. It bounced off the animal, then plummeted to the floor below. The bottle broke apart and the napalm spread toward the spilled fuel. Westwood threw the strap of his shoulder bag over the zip line and kicked away from the tower. He was just over the edge when the fuel ignited and the fire engine exploded. The civic hall erupted in flames. Metal rails shot out and clattered on the streets. He felt a fireball on his back and heard the cable snap. Everything went black. Chapter 29 Alan and Carpenter watched from the roof of the bank as Westwood dropped the napalm into the hall and lashed himself to the zip line. He was halfway to them when the hall exploded and the line snapped. Carpenter let out a scream as she watched Westwood plummet to the ground. 
She raced down the inside of the bank to the street below. Alan and the Noyce brothers followed. The hall was an inferno and illuminated the town like it was noon. Carpenter ran to Westwood. He was on his back with his legs bent. Westwood! She shouted. He didn't move. She knelt down and did a quick check to see if any bones were broken. Two ribs felt loose. She delicately touched his neck and the back of his head. Nothing felt broken there. A sigh of relief escaped her lips. Leading in close, she could hear Westwood breathing. He was whispering something. Not dead. Carpenter and the gathering crowd turned to look at the fire, half expecting the creature to burst through the conflagration. Westwood spoke again. I'm not dead yet. He struggled to pull himself upright and let out a wince as he felt the pain of a cracked rib. He looked at the burning building. Sorry about the zip line, said Bruce Noyes. You'll do better next time. Westwood got to his feet. Oh, God, no, said Ken Noyes. Never again. Chapter 30 Westwood looked at the burning building and picked up his rifle from the ground. In intense pain, he shouted out orders. He formed a line of gunmen on either side of the hall in case the creature miraculously survived. They watched the flickering flames all night with frightened anticipation. Somewhere in the background, the record player kept playing its waltz. Occasionally, Alan would hear the needle scratch and someone moved it back to the beginning. When the embers began to die out, the sun came up. It was clear the creature was dead. Its hulking, charred corpse was curled up in a ball in the center of the hall, like a kitten. Westwood stepped inside to look at it. He could still feel the heat of the fire. Soot and ash covered the floor. Burning beams still crackled. The air smelled like wood, smoke, and burnt flesh. Burned beyond recognition, the creature was still a sight to behold. On its side... Shoulder blade to shoulder blade, it was wider than Westwood was tall. Nose to tail, it had seemed to stretch up full three stories into the hall. Now it was curled up to less than half that. It wasn't the largest predator he'd ever gone after by a large margin, but it was still very impressive. He was certain there were more of them out there. The next time people encountered one, they'd be a little bit more prepared, and hopefully a little more cautious. He had some ideas for how they could defend themselves, some suggestions for the biologists on how to make sure man and this creature could coexist on the same planet. As much as he wanted to see this one stopped, he'd hate to see the species go away. If there was a place in the universe for a predator like himself, there had to be one for this. Westwood stepped back so Alan could take some photos. No, no, said Alan. I want you in the shot. Westwood shook his head and walked out of the burned building. It's not a goddamn trophy, Alan. Epilogue Westwood and Alan waited in a building overlooking the landing pad by Lake Natal. Westwood had declined the opportunity to recuperate in a local hospital for a few weeks in favor of having his broken ribs fixed in a matter of minutes on board the space liner. He'd also declined to stick around for the celebration they wanted to throw in his honor, they made quick goodbyes and left that morning. 
Alan knew enough about the man to know that he'd find the whole thing profoundly embarrassing. There were still other parts of the man that he still was trying to puzzle out. Slumped in the chair, the age and hard years showed in his posture. He'd been even quieter than usual after they finished the creature. He resembled more of a tired professor than rogue adventurer. Door opened behind them and Mr. Thomas let himself into the lounge. He nodded to Alan and took a chair opposite Westwood. Dr. Westwood, he started in his perfectly efficient voice. It's been brought to my attention that there's some trouble on a planet called Nautilus. The local population, based on the 10th century Norse and Laplanders, are having a problem with a nuisance sea creature. Can't they give the man a break? thought an exasperated Alan. How big of a nuisance? asked Westwood, his voice lifting and his posture straightening. Grendel's Shadow is available on Amazon for 99 cents. Buy it on your desktop or your Kindle. You can also use the Kindle app, available on the iPad as well as all major phones, including iPhones, Blackberries, Windows 7, and Android. You can also look for it on the Nook Store and Apple's iBooks. If you'd like to purchase this audiobook in its entirety without interruption or a physical copy of Grendel's Shadow, head to andrewmain.com books. This presentation has been read by Justin Robert Young. <laughs>